The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. All right, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of The Football Kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sport. But she just told you that, so I didn't need to tell you that again. Uh, with me in studio is Enda. How are you? Jerry, how are you getting on? I'm very well. And with us on the line is Simon Cox. Simon, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Jay. How's things? Yeah, good. You're very lucky, Simon. You are very, very lucky that our video has fallen over today because we had a picture to show you uh, that we were going to show you all the way back from, I would say, circa 2012 that was in the papers this week. I don't know if we tipped you off on this or not, but um, there was a story in the Irish Examiner about how the FAI have reduced the sponsorship, the price and value of the sponsorship by 800 grand a year. And the picture they chose to illustrate it with is the launch of the sponsorship of three and there were three fine strapping young men who were picked <laughs> from the masses of the Irish football team to model it. And you were in the middle, which is obviously, as we know, you know, the, the big chair and the most important one when it comes to modelling. I think it was Shane Long on one side. And uh, do you remember who else was on it? Was it not Was it not me? Was it Andy Kyo and Sean St. Legend? Were we not holding up the, the phones? Oh, no, there's another one. Great. Oh, <laughs> it must be from the same shoot, though, because it is Sean St. Ledger beside him. Is it? Okay. The right -hand side. okay. But I think I'm pretty sure that um, who else is there? It's Shane, Shane Long. Long. Yeah. It's Simon Cox and it's Sean St. Ledger You've got in grey tuxedo with a purple velvet on the inside. How do we know the purple velvet is on the inside? He's got uh, it's with the jackets, the suits and stuff. Is it? You've, is got, it that the, you've got the jacket open, showing off your chest. Like, yeah, look oh, at there me. You go. I'm a barrel-chested striker, and I'm coming for you, baby. <laughs> uh, oh, those days are long gone, mate. What uh, What do you remember about that? <sighs> um, not great. Not great. I don't think. <laughs> I've had a few too many pints since then. Um, no, I think it was. I think it was all leading up to the the campaign. It was one of those where we looked at and uh, we, you know, we just tried to to cause as much of a, a whirlwind around the whole campaign as we could. Obviously, it was a long time since we we made it to a major final, so we we tried to take as much from it as we could. And was that good fun? That kind of stuff. And how how do they decide who who gets picked for these assignments? I think it's. Listen, I think it's one of those that if you're up for anything, they'll they'll choose you. But obviously, they don't try and pick the same people for for everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I was I was game for anything. Do you know what I mean? It, to put yourself it up for for things like that, it, it's it's not too big a deal. It's it's just how seriously you take yourself, I guess. Yeah, and uh, I tell you, a lot of your teammates took themselves too seriously to go for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it probably was left to me. So there you go. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on because we, we asked a flash poll. Will Manchester United finish in the top four? Yes, 12%. The Manchester United fans are showing up in numbers, but the rest of us know the truth. They're not going to finish in the top four. That That's what the facts say according to our Instagram poll. What's your take on this, Simon? No, I don't think they will. Um, it's an Arsenal in the driving seat. Spurs, or Arsenal and Spurs are in the driving seat at the minute, I think. Spurs... We'll probably do it. They've got the games in hand. They've got points on the board. I think Manchester United are going to have too big a gap to to make up. I think. Um, uh, listen, they're probably going to be buoyed from the the news just come out that Fernandez has signed a new deal. But I don't think that's going to be enough for them to to get into the top four. How big a deal is it for them not to be in the top four when you're going shopping for a new manager? Yeah, it's huge. I think you, when you look at it whoever they get, whether it be Pochettino, whether it be Ten Hag, whether it be you know somebody else, 
ultimately they're going to be coming in and it will be a project for them. And they're not, it might actually be a good thing for them because ultimately they'll, they'll have time. They can concentrate on the league. They won't have um, Champions League, which is obviously Tuesdays or Wednesday, but they might have Europa League, which is Thursday. So they'll be playing Thursday, Sunday. Um, but I think priority for them, obviously, is next season is getting into that top four, doing better in the in the Premier League and, and trying to rebuild a squad that's, you know, frankly very much underperformed in the last sort of you know three four years if you look at where arsenal have gotten their sort of advantage this year they haven't been playing in europe and they finished i think it was eighth in the table the year that they hired arteta so i mean when you're trying to attract a manager like ten Hag or pochettino or a big signing manager then obviously it is important that you have Champions League football and when you want players but it's also playing there. But it's also, gig, right? yeah, it's also not a bad time to get it because the only way is up for whatever manager this is. And if they're willing to put in the time like Arteta has and clearly built a project and built an ethos at the club and changed the culture within, then maybe European football could be a bit of a distraction for whoever that is and they won't get the opportunity to do so. The other thing, and I've heard this said somewhere else, was that actually playing in the Europa League gives you the opportunity to play the rest of your squad and you get important minutes for players who won't get minutes if you were in the Champions League because you're picking the best team the whole time and it's actually easier to, to manage that squad. So it's not as big a deal to be out of the... Uh, Europa League as you might think no and uh, if you're Han- it depends on the type of manager you're hiring as well like say Ten Hag for example is a very much a, a coach as opposed to a, a manager if you're playing in Europe you're barely getting an opportunity to actually coach those players because you're playing week in week out on a Monday on a Saturday on a Wednesday and you're really opp- your only opportunity is the two days in between that to coach these players so I, it, if you're if you're hiring, hiring a coach to change an entire team I think it's actually probably better off not being in Europe for United but we all know United don't operate like that yeah I, the one thing I did want to ask you about um, Simon is like is there a possibility that what we've seen from Arsenal is unsustainable that actually that run of form that they've been on which has been spectacular uh, that once they become the hunted as opposed to the hunter we learn a bit more about them and, and I'm just not sure yet I mean, maybe they aren't going to be traditional flaky Arsenal but maybe they will be yeah, well, it, it'll, it'll all come down to complacency, won't it? If they if they feel like they've they've cracked it and that's it, they're in the top four. Then all of a sudden, football has a funny way of kicking you up the backside. So, um, listen, I'd imagine Arteta is the kind of manager that that he won't allow that to happen. Um, I just don't I just don't see them um, being the traditional Arsenal that we've seen. I think they've they've turned the corner in terms of you know. As Ender was saying, the the ethos, the the philosophy at the football club, it's it's completely changed around now. So, um, I'm, listen, I I think they'll be fine. I think they'll they'll finish in the top four, and it'll be credit to to the team and um, and the manager and his staff because ultimately it was a it was really looking bleak at the start of it. People weren't really happy when they hadn't won in the first. I think leading up to the first international break, I think it was. So, you know, it was it was tough for him. It's a massive breakthrough for Arsenal because, like, all of a sudden they can now, because, like, let let's, you know, they had actually invested a lot of money in recent seasons, uh, and there will be an opportunity for them to invest again. And their signings have been good. They definitely know what type of player they want mm. and how to integrate those players into the squad. They've got a brilliant crop of youngsters, like one of the best in Europe. Maybe you'd say Barcelona's are the best. But after that, it's like Arsenal are in a conversation for that if they can keep them all, like. 
you'd, you'd feel pretty excited if you were an Arsenal fan if they can just get over this hump in the next month it's a, like it's a massive massive turning point for them yeah I think ultimately you, you're right in what you're saying is, is if they can keep hold of them it's, it's people like Martinelli who's obviously going to have a lot of people looking at him this, in this summer is if Arsenal can keep hold of him um, but you're right in again what you said with their signings have been good but they haven't been they haven't been sort of signings that you'd sort of associate with Arsenal. They've they've all been sort of unknown or sort of younger players that that have been able to sort of find their way in the Arsenal team and and build and and buy into the Arteta way of playing um, instead of going out and spending. And they're not a big spending side Arsenal, but they normally get somebody in where you look at and think, oh yeah, that was a that was a good signing or that was a big a big signing for Arsenal. Now it's a case of, oh, well, like people like Tommy Asu. I mean, nobody, I don't think in the top four or five of English Premier League would have, would have looked at Tommy Asu, but they've obviously done their homework on him. So it was a, it was a shrewd signing for them. And obviously Ben White coming in and being, has been colossal for him since he's, since he's arrived. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a really good progress for, for Arsenal so far this year. Yeah. I, I got a lot of stick at the start of the season for saying that the reason that things get so hostile at Arsenal so quickly is because we're still judging them by old standards and that we need to sort of get away from that. And I, I didn't mean that as a slight to Arsenal. I just meant they're not where they were in 04. They're not ch- title challengers. So we shouldn't treat them that way for finishing in third. Finishing in third is actually a good uh, finish for Arsenal and what they are. And I feel like Arsenal are pro- probably in the same area of which Leicester were at the last two years now where they needed to take that step. The justification for what Arteta is doing to buy into that for another year, they probably need to finish in the top four. And you can kind of see that with, with Leicester. Look, I know they've been unlucky with injuries, but they needed that justification of, OK, we're buying into the manager. He is getting it right. We're we're making progress. We're finishing the top four. And with Leicester dropping out of the top four, it is sort of a, a bit of a bullet to what Brendan Rodgers is trying to do that. So you do think that with this team, this young team who have barely any players that have any experience in the top four, if they're going to continue to buy into this Arteta project, then they probably do need to start seeing some sort of progress. And yeah. top four would be the first step in that. Their game is on Monday night at Palace. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Patrick Vieira can do something, anything to uh, halt the gallop of his old team. Uh, reminder, the five games that we're talking about this weekend, Liverpool against Watford, half past 12 on BT Sport tomorrow, Manchester United against Leicester is half past five on Sky Sports. On Sunday, West Ham versus Everton is at two o'clock. That game is live on OTB as well. Stephen Doyle and Brian Kerr on commentary duty for the David Moyes Derby. Spurs versus Newcastle is at half four and that is also live on Off the Ball and Sky Sports. Nathan and Graham Gartland on duty for Spurs against Newcastle. And then Rangers and Celtic is at 12 o'clock. That game is live on Sky Sports. You want to bring this up? Go on, float your... Float your Classic Premier League bias there, sticking the Glasgow Derby at the bottom even though it's... In leaving the best to last. Well, that's it. Well, I was talking to you about the uh, Bextel test uh, before we came on air and essentially what that is is that you it's in relation to uh, women uh, in film and actors and the fact that in in a rare occasion of two women being on screen together without a man they are talking about a man or referencing to a man Um, and I feel like there's something like that in football terms in terms of Manchester United that you have to always relate back whatever you're talking to in how this affects Man United 
and uh, I think you're about to do it now I'm I'm about to do it myself the Celtic Rangers game this weekend if Celtic win it six points clear probably going to win the title there's the the splits coming up but one more game against Rangers you know it probably guarantee Celtic would be in the driver's seat for the title I think Ange Postacoglu as much as I hate to say it he will be at Celtic for another couple of years but I think he would be the perfect candidate for the Manchester United job why? he has a body of work behind him in building a system and building a system based on very hardcore beliefs he's been successful in uh, in Australia when when he's done it He's managed Australia in the uh, World Cup as well. He has done it at a mid-table Japanese side, won the league, and now he's doing it at Celtic. He's shown the ability that he can come into a club who are in a complete catastrophe, in essence, build it from the ground up with hardcore beliefs. And I think he is probably going to be a manager who will go down in the upper echelons of managers. Simon? That's That's a big statement, that, though, surely. You go from... I know you're talking of Celtic, big club, but you're going to what is probably seen as the biggest club in the world. Is that, mm-hmm. that not, is that not too big a step? Somebody who doesn't, again, doesn't know the English Premier League. Um, it's, that's got to be a big step, that. I would have said that before this year and before watching him in several uh, different circumstances and interviews with different people. And Well, firstly, the team that he managed in Japan, uh, Moreno's, they're, they're part of the city group, so... He's yeah. part of the um, Man City group of managers who are, you know, seen as the the, the creme de la creme in the country. So he has that ethos. He plays the right type of football for Manchester United, or what Manchester United fans want. And I, I just think he is a gem that has not been unearthed just yet because he was on the other side of the world. He he speaks about that himself a lot. That he, you know, people in the West will look at him and say, "Who is this guy? He's only done in Japan. He's only done in Australia." Why can't or you know he doesn't have the body of work behind him? But I I think he he, he will show in the next couple of years that he's good enough to do this, and he will be uh, he will if it's not the Manchester United job, I think he will go to England somewhere and be successful. Yeah. I'm really really impressed with what he's been able to do. Yeah, I mean I I, like, I mean I I'm not adverse to it, but I think it's uh, I think it's probably similar to I know Brendan had a a, a time at Liverpool, but he's got up to Celtic done unbelievably well then gone to Leicester is it not uh, a possible that he, he could go from Celtic to another club and then obviously if he does really well there then then something happens to him in terms of whether it be Manchester United after that but mm. I mean I think it's uh, no, nobody had probably heard of Ange Postacoglu before he, he came to Celtic so the fact that he's gone rebuilt the football club Put him in pole position to win the to win the league. Obviously, depending on what the result is on Sunday, um, if he can, if he can get that um, respect that he's probably deserving of uh, after only what six seven months, um, then imagine what he could do if he was at a club for sort of two or three years. He needs a European campaign though, right? To prove he does. That this isn't just a localized thing mm-hmm. in Scotland where you can come along and beat Rangers who did replace their manager in the middle of this as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And the thing that impresses me the most about him is that he doesn't talk like most other managers who have come to Scotland speak. So Bren Rogers came, he won the treble, he went an un- invincible uh, uh, invincible rather and he spoke about that as a the you know a great achievement for what the club is Ange Postacoglu has come in and said he, domestic success should come 
he said it's expected of the club he knows what is expected of the club he wants to build something for Europe and that will be the ultimate test for him that will be the means test can he uh, mount a campaign Scottish teams aren't going to win the Europa League or Champions League anytime soon because of the, the budgetary issues but if he can mount a good campaign he can he can prove himself look, look, look at what Steven Gerrard did he did really well in the Europa League Rangers are into the last eight now of the Europa League this season as well it's not impossible for a club to go far if you have a, a competent manager and uh, I had an argument with Arthur before this um, about the body of work that he has at the club and and uh, the body of work that he has, whether that's good enough to be a, a Man- Manchester United manager. Um, it's not yet. It's not yet, but <laughs> the last couple of managers that managed United, you know, Solskjaer said he had no body of work. He finished second and got to Europa League final. Uh, Jose Mourinho, massive body of work. Similar enough, second, won a Europa League. Louis van Gaal, massive body of work. Nothing. You know, the the body of work FA doesn't Cup. really matter. Doesn't it doesn't really matter. The the what really matters is the competency of the manager, and in football, largely the team who has the highest wage budget wins. Yeah, Manchester United have that. Over they just have not been able to have a competent manager in charge of those wages. I think Postacoglu would be able to do that. I suspect they haven't had a competent person in charge of buying the players and therefore no. deciding what the wages were. And so that has been the main knock-on impact um, yeah. of that. So, look, I, 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 I remain to be convinced that he could do the job on the basis of the fact that he's only had a wet week at Celtic and it's been very, very impressive so far. And all the Celtic fans I know are incredibly excited about it, but are all generally, apart from you, refusing to break ranks and tell anybody about it. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's yeah, just afraid. They're, they're, don't tell. He's everybody. leaving now. Don't tell. Yeah, it'll be your fault. Um, well, All right. it's my yeah, it's my fault. Manchester United are listening to this. So. We'll tune in and see if they can beat Rangers at twelve o'clock on Sunday on Sky Sports. Let's run through the other games. Liverpool against Watford, uh, the Roy Hodgson derby. Um, this is this is one of those games where it's an early kickoff. I half expect Liverpool to be three 0 up at halftime. Simon. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I mean, I do Liverpool fan, um, but. It's one of those with Mane and Salah being away and gone to an extra time and penalties. Uh, and then you, you've got the Luis Diaz, Alisson, Fabinho been in South America on international duty as well. Maybe it might be a, an option for Jurgen Klopp to use the people like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know, just being able to, to sort of come in and, give the lads who have been away and done loads of minutes a little bit of a uh, maybe be on the bench if needed to be called upon later on in the day yeah it's it's tough to see anything but a Liverpool win here to be honest Watford are one of those sides where it is very much um, give Roy Housen a year and he might be able to make them what he did with Crystal Palace but at the minute, they're just very easy to carve open. And for a side of Liverpool standards, with the international break just passed, I think they'll be. This is an easy enough for them. Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Yeah, the atmosphere was brilliant, wasn't it? It was, it was great when Thierry Henry made an appearance on the big screen, and it got the reaction, didn't it, that it needed? Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. All right, Manchester United against Leicester kicks off at half five on Saturday. Simon, what do you expect from this game? Because it's very difficult to know. Like this is one of those situations where if Leicester, Leicester could easily mount something, some kind of tactical masterclass here and come away with at least a draw and possibly win this game if they were in good form. They just haven't been in the form hasn't been good enough for us to be able to kind of confidently point to it and say, "Oh, this is definitely going to be tricky for United." No, and. 
Leicester's frailties are obviously there to be seen from from set pieces. So I think this is one of those where Leicester, if they bring their best game to the party, then they're obviously going to be a threat. Um, but they haven't brought that that game to to many games this year, which is a bit of a shame because they're at, they're actually a, a really good team to watch, an exciting team. And this is this is one of those games where I mean it could easily be nil nil, but it could easily be sort of a high scoring draw as well. Um, so, uh, listen, I expect goals from this game. So, you know, I'm going to go for a high scoring draw two each. Where does Brendan Rodgers stand now? Because, you know, three months ago, he was in the running for the United game. The United gig completely disappeared off any of the shortlists or any of the conversations around that. So, what what is his standing in the game right now? It's still good. You can't, you can't go away from what he's done with, with Leicester. Um, and, obviously previous clubs at Liverpool and, and Celtic. So he's still, you know, highly regarded. I think it was just that maybe Leicester's squad has been together for probably that little bit too long and needs a little bit of a shake up. I know he's been saying it the last couple of days of that he needs a reshuffle and maybe people are gonna have to leave to to get funds into the football club so they can go out and bring some some new fresh blood in um that shakes up the squad. So We'll see how he does in the summer, in the window, uh, who he brings in, who leaves. Uh, but obviously, like I say, their frailties are, are defending. So at the minute, he obviously needs to look at whether he plays a back three or a back four. So and if uh, and whatever way he goes about it in the summer, I'm sure we'll see a much more competitive Leicester next year, probably pushing into towards that sort of top four position. All right. The uh, the next team we want to talk about is, is uh, West Ham, and, and just they've kind of come off the boil a little bit. There was a stage where we thought that perhaps they were going to be able to sustain the race for the top four, and in fairness, like that is a completely different conversation than we would have been having about West Ham two seasons ago when it was will they be involved in a relegation fight or are they good enough just to keep that at bay? And yet here we are talking about them on Sunday in a game against Everton, which we would expect them to win, which will actually kind of because they've played so many more games than everybody else it will keep them in touching distance of top four which is an incredible achievement really yeah I, I just sort of look at this game and and it it could be absolutely anything I think Everton you know two wins three losses West Ham two wins two draws two defeats you know I don't I think Everton so I think West Ham have sort of come away because they They've concentrated a lot on the the Europa League, obviously beating Sevilla, and they, I think they're dreaming of that tie against Barcelona. So it's uh, they're looking at that, and then maybe they've taken their foot off the gas a little bit with uh, with the Premier League. But they didn't strengthen in January, which was a which was a big issue for them, and their squad's not not big enough for them to sort of go deep into the Europa League and try and you know sustain a, a push for top four so I've got I just got a feeling that Everton might nick something it just purely and simply because one you don't know what Everton's going to turn up and two I think West Ham are sort of not in the greatest of form so it's kind of like a if ever if uh, if West Ham don't really fancy it then Everton could could sort of come in with a with a sneaky winner yeah I remember when was it last year Mark Lawrenson was speaking on OTB Sports Saturday about David Moyes and it was when they were going for top four and he said that he would rather get he'd rather just get Champions League if he wasn't going to get top four he'd rather finish in seventh because he didn't want to get Europa League he, yeah. he felt the squad was too thin 
And I guess you're probably seeing the outcome of that now where they had so much momentum earlier on. But now that there's a quarterfinal coming up, it's suddenly a real possibility that they might win a major European trophy, which, again, it's not exactly what the FA Cup is. You know, when Leicester put all their eggs in the FA Cup basket, I think that's a completely different scenario to West Ham winning a, a Europa League. It's, it's a much bigger trophy to win uh, for a club the size of West Ham. So, Well, it also brings incredible prizes. Well, that's the thing. And West Ham might be looking at the table now as well, thinking, OK, Arsenal, Tottenham, United, they're all more favourable for top four. But if we win the Europa League, we get that Champions League spot anyway. So why not, now that we have to win, what is it, six games, five games now to win the Europa League? That's more of a realistic possibility. So start resting players in the Premier League. I, I think so, especially against Everton. I mean, come on, who are Everton at the um, minute? The, the, like, <laughs> at the minute, at the minute, I should stress. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it would be an amazing story if they were to go down. It looks like they're going to be safe because they, they just had that little little uptick in form recently. But it would be an incredible story if Frank Lampard brought Everton down. It would be an amazing story, like in, an incredible story of his managerial career. And we spoke about managers with no... But work behind them like Frank Lambert's body of work is fast becoming very very poor if you consider it with any sort of real um, criticism because if you look at his derby situation granted he got to the playoff but he didn't get promoted so he t- took derby from I think it was 5th uh, into 5th then he took Chelsea in, uh, from 4th into 3rd and then 3rd into like 12th or something by the time he got sacked so he's, his body of work is not very good for a man, uh, a man who had such a illustrious footballing career uh, it, you know it's uh, it's one of those situations where I, so sorry did, did you both predict this game for us I, I, I think West Ham are going to win it by default of Everton being so poor at the minute even if they're not fully focused and they have an eye on another yeah, game I still think uh, I still think a West Ham with one eye on the Leon game next week uh, are better than this Everton side at the minute okay alright uh, so that is the crack with uh, that game the other game on Sunday obviously is Spurs and Newcastle the um, the job that has been done at Newcastle on the playing side of things, Simon, has been really excellent from Eddie Howe. The uh, performances in the press conferences obviously come under scrutiny. But to just focus on the football for now, um, I know that I know they did a big injection of cash, but we have seen an injection of cash mid-season not work out in many instances in the past. The results have been fairly spectacular. The winning run that they were on, like, it looks like Eddie Howe knows what he's doing. Yeah, He's a. I mean, he he was with a a club in Bournemouth where he didn't get a lot of money, and now all of a sudden he's been given a lot of money, and it's it's now interesting to see where he puts it. But what I think he's been really shrewd in doing, he's gone out and got Dan Byrne, who's been you know a revelation since he's gone in there. Uh, Kieran Trippier, who uh, Chris Wood, all players that have that know the Premier League, know what it's like to be in dogfights, you know, who know how to win games of football. So he's not gone out and bought, I know obviously he's bought Bruno in as well, but I think it's one of those where he went out and bought smartly. He hasn't just spent 300 million on bringing some foreign lads in and, and expected them to hit the, hit the ground running straight away. He's gone out and got sturdy Premier League experienced players and they've, you know, paid dividends for him. So, He's a he's a wise manager. It would just be interesting to see how he gets on in the, in January uh, in in the summer window with all those millions ready to go. Yeah, it's hard to know what the ceiling is for this uh, it, this current setup because it felt like he might be an interim manager, but that doesn't feel like that now. Uh, no, um, I think he's going to be a two to three year stopgap. Uh, maybe a, a Mark Hughes at Man City 
type of thing. Um, He's far better than Mark Hughes at Man City. I mean, yet to be proven. My big question would be, and this is nothing to do with Eddie Howe snubbing Celtic, by the way. I just, I'm taking. I didn't even I'm, bring I'm, that I'm, up. I'm ta- hey, just just in case you do. Oh, just in case you do. Okay. Case you do. Thinks the lady doth protest too much, and uh, uh, is Ange going for the Newcastle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you do you think uh, if you handed Steve Bruce eighty million in January, he would have kept Newcastle up? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, Steve Bruce has brought other clubs down. Mm-hmm. The likes of I, I think if you give Steve Bruce's Villa was terrible. W- I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I'll phrase it a different way. If you give Sean Dyche eighty million, is he keeping Burnley up? Yeah, Sean Dyche's a good manager though. Yeah. So I like, think, I think Sean Dyche's a good manager of another club. And yeah, so this is this is my, think, my point is not that Eddie Howe is a bad manager because I don't believe that. I, I think, think they're he playing. Is, okay, you think, think you're giving him too much credit, but I think he's playing good football as well. Oh no, he is, and I, I completely, I, I do, I don't want to take too much credit away from Eddie Howe but I also do oh, want to good put a bit of context that I think there are several managers probably most managers who have managed in the Premier League if you give them 80 million to a relegation candidate club they're probably going to keep them up because the rest of them are not spending that 80 million I think it's I think it's more down to the 80 million than it is down to Eddie Howe so I think what I'm basically saying is if you give Steve Bruce if you give Sean Dyche if you give Sam Allardyce whoever it is in a relegation battle if you're Roy Hudson if you give him 80 million he will keep whatever club that is up. Okay, keep them up is 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 one barrier or one way of measuring this. There's a like they're five points behind Villa. Villa are ninth. Yeah. They could finish in ninth this season, and you would not be surprised at this point of the year if somebody taps you on the shoulder and goes at the end of the year. By the way, Newcastle finished ninth. I'm saying that he has outperformed my expectations uh, relative to the investment. Yeah, yeah. Like Everton have spent a load of money. Everton have spent a load of money. If, if Everton were to spend eighty million right now, I would not. I would not say they're guaranteed to stay up. Because I think they might just uh, waste it. Yeah, I, I'm I guess, to find a word that's suitable for broadcast. I guess my point would be <laughs> that in in the broader terms of Eddie Howe's career now, after Newcastle, if he does move on from Newcastle, if it's not a, like a ten year stint, I don't know if this is a stepping stone. I don't think I don't think people are going to be largely impressed with what he's. Done, I think the what, opposite. He, what he does. I don't think. I think I that if you're in charge of if you're in charge of one of those top four clubs, he is going to be a candidate now. Let's let's wait and see. It's very early. This is the accelerated culture of football where we're saying you're saying no, he's not, and I'm saying, oh yes, he is. But like I actually think that he's handled the pressure. There, there's a, a shitstorm after the press conferences, right? But actually, if you're the owner of the club, you're delighted because he's taking one for you. Yeah, well, he, like, he's looking. He's less people are talking about Amanda Staveley, more people are talking about him. If you're the owner of City, if you're the owner of Liverpool, you're like, well, Eddie Howe took one for the team there. That's the kind of loyalty I want. All that aside. I do think probably I'm in the opposite boat to you where, whereby I think people will not look very favourably on Eddie Howe after after his Newcastle stint comes to an end because people will look at the money that he spent in comparison to the clubs he's competing with and say that it's down to that rather than exactly what I people cynical enough people like me will say Eddie Howe had nothing to do with it, it was all down to the money and I don't well, think that's how, that's, that's how well he does though depending on how well he does if he finishes next season in the top four regardless of the money he spent surely that's got to be something down to his coaching and his management style yeah well I do think he's a good manager I do want to reiter- reiterate that <laughs> <laughs> but I- <laughs> Uh, Simon just talks you around with that, right? Yeah. So if he finishes in the Champions League next season, well, it depends. I mean, if he spends five hundred million and finishes in the t- top four, I'm not going to be like, oh, Eddie is a genius. Um, well, it'd be unlikely they're going to be able to find players to spend five hundred million on, and financial fair play and the recasting of all that might oh, have an impact. Uh, you know, a few sponsorship deals in the manner that Man City have might sort that out. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they get away with all that stuff now, uh, right? 
the football kick off with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sport um, that is it so we've done our five games we have West Ham Everton uh, Spurs Newcastle Rangers Celtic Liverpool Watford and Man United Leicester do you want to tell me how Celtic are going to win this game Enda? I think it's going to be tougher than another three nil. It's not going to be a three nil demolition. Uh, It's going to be tighter. Rangers are going to be set up a little bit differently. I'd imagine Morelos was pictured, whether or not this picture is uh, recent or not, was pictured in the airport leaving Glasgow in crutches to go get treatment in England. So he might not be there. Um, That will change their setup. But I think what I would be saying going into this game is that Celtic are very much a set team with a set way that don't waver from what they do that's brought them success this year whereas Rangers are still very much trying to find their their best 11 so far so I'd still have Celtic narrow favourites going into it Alright good stuff Simon thanks a million for joining us cheers Cheers see you later That's this week's episode of the Football Kickoff. we're live generally every week across all of our social channels in video form as well at half past ten every Friday morning we will be back next Friday morning at half past ten until then take care the Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.